I'm super excited to, uh, to uh, let you know that we're going to start a new series for the next uh, several weeks, uh, all the way up through our Lent time into Easter. And um, this series is called Formed. Our series is called Formed. And this is simply about the art of how it is that God works with us, how it is that God works in us, does his work. Isn't it cool to see that pottery thing happening? I looked and I texted my mom because I wanted to send you a picture of the ashtray I made in seventh grade (laughs) for my family. Couldn't come up with the picture. It was my work. It was my artistic expression of working with clay and firing it and painting it a beautiful color so that my parents could smoke for 29 years of their lives. But the beauty of the idea of being formed by God, the art and science of how God does his work in us, this is what we're going to be talking about. And my sermon title today is the beginning of that series. It's called Spiritual Formation 101. It's called Spiritual Formation 101. How is it that God works in us? How is it that God changes us? We, like clay in the potter's hand, is a familiar metaphor in scripture. We are like clay in the potter's hand. We're going to leave that up there for a while. We actually, we had lined up, I'm sorry you missed this, and you know, it's kind of a cardinal rule in terms of putting church together that you don't know what you missed in terms of what great grand plans we had. We had Jason who was going to come here, a guy who works at Mill Valley Pottery Studio, and he was going to be spinning pots the entire service up here and uh, couldn't make that work in the end and, and had to cancel. But uh, we just wanted that to be going on the entire time because this image of being clay in God's hands is a familiar metaphor in Scripture that we are the workmanship of God. We're the work of God. I want you to look at a couple passages with me in Jeremiah 18. It's going to be up on the screen behind us. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'm going to give you my message. By the way, isn't it great how God tends to show us and give us experiences through which he teaches us and speaks to us and impresses on us deep truths? And here he's saying to the prophet, listen, go, to the, go down to the potter's house, because I want to tell you some stuff about who we are together. So I went down to the potter's house, Jeremiah says, and I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot... He was shaping from the clay, was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, Israel. And another passage, Isaiah, one of many, really. Isaiah chapter 6. 64, sorry. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. You're familiar with this, some of you that have read in scripture? This idea that we're the clay, he's the potter, that we're in the hands of God and that he shapes something for us. Here's the simple message today. I try to do this. I want to give you a simple message because if you call something 101, it better be simple, right? And I'm going to give you a simple message, and if you capture this, if you're able to still be with me three minutes into this sermon, and right now you hear this, then I, you can check out the rest of the time, okay? But here's the simple message about Spiritual Formation 101. God is making something out of us. God is making something out of us, something beautiful and surprising and unique and useful, 
And it is in his heart and his mind and his eyes as the creator to make something out of us. Not he made you once in creation. Not just he knit you together in your mother's womb. But now, right now, like a pot being shaped by the potter, God is making something out of us. He's at work. You got that? You can just check out. You're done. That's it. That's the whole message this morning. Let's go home. Football's on at noon. So, this journey that we talk about, engaging with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ, this journey that we talk about, this journey that, we, that we're on, is a journey of being formed, of being transformed, of being shaped, of being changed. It's a journey of change. It's a journey of being worked on by God. Does that sound more active than what we're used to thinking about when we think about our spiritual journey, we think about our relationship with God, or we think about our Christianity? Change can happen, friends. God is at work changing us. Change is on the horizon. Change is in the air. Change is within us. Change is what God is doing. If not, we would be so hopeless. I was talking to somebody on the phone yesterday, and she said, man, why would it be good news if we were left to manage our problems ourselves and be stuck where we are? How would that be good news? But we're on a journey of change. We're on a journey of God working with us like clay in the potter's hand. We're changed. This idea is called spiritual formation. It's called spiritual formation. And I'm going to give you a definition for that word. We call this spiritual formation or spiritual transformation. So this is spiritual formation 101. Here you go. Ready? This is really difficult. I hope you have a pen out. I hope you can get your thinking caps on. Here's the definition of spiritual formation. Get the word spiritual formation? It's being formed by the Spirit. That's it. Spiritual formation. I bet you couldn't have figured that out on your own. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Spiritual formation is being formed by the Spirit. Now, before a more formal definition I can give you that's maybe a little more helpful or uh, has some more insight to it, I just got to point out something when you see this. When you see this idea of spiritual formation as being formed by the Spirit, I want to make sure that you're hearing me this morning. Two things. One, change is possible, and it is what is happening. It is the point of our journey. It is the point of engaging with God. Change is happening. Change is happening. Change is happening. There's a formation that's happening. There is a growth that's happening. There is a transformation that is happening. Change happens. It's possible. For some of us, that's, that's the message we just need to carry home today. I'm not stuck God's forming me. God's changing me. Change is happening. The second thing I want you to see about this really simple definition is it's by the Holy Spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit. The change is happening by the Holy Spirit requires the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is kind of an aside. Again, before we get to a longer definition of spiritual formation and talk about it, here's kind of an aside. God is at work to change us. He wants to form us and shape us. He's making something beautiful and useful. I've said all that. It requires, though, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is spiritual transformation. It is spiritual formation. And friends, the Holy Spirit of God 
who has the characteristics of the Trinity, the Spirit of God who can be all places at all times, a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing. This Holy Spirit can be anywhere doing anything that he wants, but friends, he's not within every one of you because we must invite him in. This is the definition of becoming a Christian. And we talk so much about journey that sometimes I want to have an aside and say, I know we're all on a spiritual journey where God's sort of at, at, at work in mysterious ways, but transformation by God happens by the Holy Spirit, and we only have the Holy Spirit within us when we have made a step of faith acknowledge that God is our creator and our savior and that Jesus went to the cross for us to provide forgiveness and therefore a relationship with God. We use phrases like saying, somebody's applauding, the good news of Jesus, yeah. We use phrases like being on the journey, but friends, there's also these phrases of becoming a Christian, of saying yes to the gift of salvation through Jesus. And the scripture teaches that while the Holy Spirit can be anywhere he wants to be in the world, the transformation we're talking about is by the Holy Spirit within us that requires us to first have, have to have said yes to Jesus and his lordship in our lives. Have you done that? While you've been on a spiritual journey, can you say, yep, I came to that conclusion it was in faith because I had all kinds of doubts and all kinds of questions and I cannot believe how this can all be true, but but God has wooed my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus as I understand this whole thing. And yes, I've said yes to the forgiveness of Christ and his lordship over my life. If you've said that, then you are a Christian. If you're still on the journey toward that, I want you to know that that is a line that you're coming up to. That our destiny is to step over and engage into a relationship with God. You with me on this? I just wanted to pause and be clear about that because I want you to understand that that is part of where we're going with this whole series, not just the rest of my sermon, but this whole series is about God shaping us and transforming us and changing us, and it requires the Holy Spirit in us. And that requires us to have taken that step of faith and saying, yes, God, I want a relationship with you. If you've not done that, but even as I explained it right now, you're like, I, 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 that's, it's like been a funnel I know that I've been coming to that place. And just as you say that, Jeff, I think I'm ready by faith to step into that relationship with God. Even that acknowledgement right where you sit is the seed of faith that it takes to be able to have God respond and give to you the gift of his Holy Spirit within you. And you are now a Christian, Okay. So that's what that language is all about. You with me on that? Are we ready to move forward? But I wanted that aside so that you could understand that this journey is a journey toward an encounter with Jesus where we say yes to his forgiveness and salvation. And then it's a journey of being changed by God because the Holy Spirit is now within us. And so have you done that? Know either that if you have, you're on this journey of being changed. If you haven't, it's the place that this journey is leading so that you can step across the river, as it were, into that new relationship with God. Okay, spiritual formation. It's being formed by the Spirit. Here's a little bit of a longer definition that I want to give you. It's change that comes from the inside out as the Holy Spirit is constantly at work to shape us into the image of Jesus. Change that comes from the inside out as the Holy Spirit is constantly at work to sh shape us into the image of Jesus. Change that comes from the inside out. 
It's change that comes from the inside out. It's not outward pressure, pressure from the outside that causes us to behave differently so that our outside actions are different. It's actually change that comes from the inside out. Outward pressure creating outward behavior is really behavior modification. And that's not what we're talking about here. You can modify your behavior with a lot of strong will. You can modify your behavior with some uh, pretty uh, strong pain that causes you to not want to touch the stove anymore. You can modify your behavior, but that's outside stimulus that causes you to make some changes in your outside behavior. Friends, this is change that comes from the inside by the Spirit of God. It's change that comes from the inside out. That's how we know that it's actually true because we find ourselves being different from the inside. Those of us that have stepped into a relationship with Jesus by faith, it is, and with all kinds of crazy doubts about how does this thing work, one of the main confirmations is he's changed us inside, and you can't fake that. Can I get an amen? Do you know what I'm talking, some of you know what I'm talking about? It's, you're different. So change that comes from the inside out as the Holy Spirit is constantly at work. The Holy Spirit is constantly at work. This is what he does. If you read everything in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, what Paul said about the Holy Spirit, everything about the Holy Spirit is that he is one who comes to live within you. From within you will come streams of living water, and that Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And that Holy Spirit, like these are scripture words I'm giving you right now, that Holy Spirit is working within you all the time to convict you as to truth and righteousness to lead you, to guide you, to speak to you. This is what the Holy Spirit is constantly at work. And what is he constantly at work to do? You see the third line, to shape us into the image of Jesus. To shape us into the image of Jesus. To shape us, to form us, to change us, to transform us. And that's healing. That's restoring. That's strengthening. That's equipping. That's growing. Those are all of the things that he's doing so that we become just like Jesus. That's the direction he's taking us. And that's good news. That's the good news. That as believers in Christ, we're being changed by the Holy Spirit who's constantly working to shape us into becoming more like Jesus. So when people say, that's the reality we should live in. So when people say, how are you doing? We should say, I'll tell you how I'm doing. I'm being shaped from the inside out as the Holy Spirit's constantly at work to heal me and restore me and form me to become more like Christ. That's how I'm doing. Super hard sometimes, but that's how I'm doing. It's just a reality that we live in. That's why it's such good news. Do you see how this doesn't sound anything at all like uh, I subscribe to the tenets of that religion called Christianity? This has changed from the inside out. So, in what way are we changing? In the time that I have remaining uh, this morning, I want to talk about in what ways are we changing? And at least three things come to mind that are really basic in Scripture. And again, this is 101. So far, how am I doing on the 101? Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Okay, because I, I mean, I want this to be like, if you're like, I've I've never understood that before. I understood that that would be the best feedback I can get from what I'm attempting to do today. How are we changed? We're changed in three ways according to the scriptures. One, we're becoming or we become who we were created to be. We're becoming who we were created to be, who we were destined to be, who we were designed to be by God in his eternal vision from eternity past when he, when he, when he came up with the concept of Neil and put his, your picture on his refrigerator 
and brag to the angels that one day later on in this eternal time frame, I'm going to make Neil. Who did he have in mind? No offense, Neil, but it isn't exactly the version of you that you are now. It was something more glorious than that. It was Neil in his perfect form. And what is God doing? He's changing us into what we were created to be, into this glorious expression of God. Remember what we were created in Genesis? We were created in the image of God. That means we have this shared glory with God. Here's the text around this idea of this glory that's coming for us. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now, this leads into this, this passage beforehand is so rich. I'd love to have you go study it on your own. Verse 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That's a reference to Moses. You've got to go look it up in, in Exodus chapter 34. But we have with unveiled faces, we behold, we contemplate how unbelievably glorious God is. So we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we all are being transformed into his image with, what does it say? Ever-increasing glory. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Some of our old translations said, from glory to glory. We were created in glory, and now we're going to go to another form of glory. We're glorious creations that are moving into glory. So this this work comes from the Lord, who is the Holy Spirit, who by the Holy Spirit takes us from one glory, which was our createdness, to another glory, which is our restored destiny, the people we were always intended to be. Here's a couple of points. You were not made to be as broken as you are now. Do you want to pause and just reflect on that for a minute? Doesn't that actually kind of free you? This is not your destiny to be as flawed and broken as you are now. To carry the baggage that you carry and the hurt that you carry and the inability that you carry and the compulsions that you carry and the obsessions that you carry and the addictions that you carry, you weren't created to be that. You were created in glory. We were created to be like God. We were created to be crowned with glory and honor. Look at this verse in Psalm chapter 8. The psalmist says, what is mankind, humankind, that you are mindful of them, God? Human beings that you care for them. Who are they? And then he goes on to say, you've made them a little lower than the angels. You've crowned them with glory and honor. The psalmist is reflecting on the fact that God has done this amazing thing, which is to create human beings in the image of God, including being crowned with glory and honor. The difficulty in the story is that the the glory was marred by the free will that he gave people. Had to give us free will or we'd be robots. He gave us free will and we've marred that glory to a place where it is almost unrecognizable in many people. Romans 3 says this really clearly. It says that um, all have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. We were crowned with glory and honor, but we've sinned and now fallen short of the glory of God. You see that? But in the good news, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Look at Romans 8. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit 
who lives in you. The spirit in us brings life, brings rebirth, brings regeneration, brings, if, the, if, if we sinned and fell short of the glory of God and the cost of that sin was losing our glory and being separated from God and separated from the destiny of being glorious creation, he said, I'm gonna send my spirit into you and that spirit will regenerate who you were designed to be. I will bring life in you. In that verse 18, and I consider that our present sufferings, our present failings, our present imperfections, our present circumstances for sure, they're not worth comparing with what? The glory that's gonna be revealed in us. We're on this journey from glory to glory. We're on this journey of ever increasing glory where our broken glory that was marred by sin has been forgiven by Jesus. The spirit comes in and regenerates that glory and is moving us now from glory to glory to glory. You, you with me? You get what I'm saying? So what were we, what, what, what's being changed we're becoming who we were designed to be. We're becoming who we're created to be in his image, glorious in creation, returning to glory now. So, you weren't made to be broken, but to be glorious. And I want to encourage you with that, but I want to encourage you just even a little further to say, so you're not stuck in the inglorious way in which you're living right now. You're not stuck in that. That's not just how life is. We live in this defeatism. We think as Christians we're so enlightened with the truth of it, people are sinful. And so we're all messed up. Great. That honesty is absolutely true and we're aware of it. We have theology to fit it. We understand that. But I don't want you to miss that you are not stuck where you are for the Holy Spirit is constantly at work to shape you into ever-increasing glory the way you were designed to be. So now when people say, hey, how you doing? You go, oh, I'm doing great. Because the Holy Spirit is constantly at work to heal me and to change me, and I'm becoming ever more glorious, can you tell? <laughs> we should say to one another as believers, oh, you're being brought from glory to increasing glory. Go be glorious today. Let your glory shine today. Look at the glory that you are. We should say that to one another. We should look at our children and hold their faces in our hands and say, you are glorious you reflect a beautiful God and you were made to be this pot that is useful and beautiful and surprising and full of glory. Come on now, I'm gonna celebrate that. Do you feel that sometimes when you see somebody that you love and you care for and you look and you see what God's doing, you think this is a glorious work. This is beyond earthly, isn't it? What God is doing. That's our hope, friends. So we're becoming like we were created to be, what we were destined to be. Second, here's what we're becoming. We're becoming less like the world. We're becoming less like the world. Now, look at this verse in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Some of your versions say, do not conform any longer. Don't keep doing this. This is how you've been doing it. Don't do this anymore. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Stop, look at that phrase, pattern of this world. Don't, don't any longer be conformed to the way that everybody else lives all the time. That's what it's saying. You don't have to do that. But be, say the word, 
transformed. But be transformed. Don't conform any longer to the way everybody else lives, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when you have this renewal that happens, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Don't live the way everybody else lives anymore because you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's one of the things that's going to happen in our transformation. What's changing is our mind is renewed. And when our mind is renewed, then we're able to test and approve what God's will is. And then we can live according to it. And we're not just talking about living according to God's moral code. We're talking about living according to his good and pleasing and perfect plan for you. That's the change that happens. Now, it uses the word world, not in a disparaging way, friends. We don't, we don't say, don't be like the world or it's some sort of a proud statement. That's not what it is. What, what, the definition, when you see the world in Scripture, the definition of the world is the rest of the people who are not in the church who, listen, they don't yet understand that God is real. And so they don't live like God is real. That's what the distinguishing factor is. But you by faith have entered into this relationship and God is constantly at work creating you into who it is that he meant you to be. And so you don't live like God isn't real. So don't live anymore like God isn't real, like people who haven't yet made the wonderful discovery that he is. Don't live any longer like there is no salvation and who you are is who you're going to be until that next self-help book gives you a little bit more hope that maybe there's a little change that can happen. Don't live anymore like that. Live like you know the truth that Jesus has saved you and because of that, the Holy Spirit is in you and because of that, you're constantly being formed from glory to glory. Live that way is what the scripture is teaching. Let what you now know to be true because the Holy Spirit is doing his thing guide you into all of God's will. In other words, living into that truth that he does exist. Over and over and over again, I have examples talking with people whereby the Spirit's work in them. And by the way, where does this truth most easily reveal all these, this truth that we know about who God is and what he's about? Where is it most easily revealed and available to us? Yeah, it's in the scriptures, that's right. I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago that Jesus said in praying for his followers, he said, Father, sanctify them, grow them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Grow them up in the truth. And then he said, your word is truth. That's the way we grow. We understand all that's true. And the Holy Spirit by this input of God's word, begins to transform the way we think so we actually live like God exists. I can't tell you how many people I was going to say that I run into, that I talk to, who on their journey of being transformed by this truth, they start to realize. And then I realized, wait, it's not just bad stuff happens to me because life's terrible and, oh, by the way, if there was a God, he's decided I'm not on his team. But in fact... Stuff happens, but God is contending for my heart and protecting me in the midst of it, and he's restoring me and healing me and giving me uh, hope in the middle of it. 
And so this mindset of, I don't even know that God makes any difference, is totally transformed by the Holy Spirit's work to where the mindset says, our God is a good God, and he is, and he is for me, and I am forgiven, and he will rescue me. And that truth of God's word starts to permeate not only what we believe, but how we live it out, and it changes us. There's something terrifyingly obnoxious and attractive about somebody who actually believes this stuff. Am I right? (laughs) Some of you are like that. It's powerful. So how are we being changed? What ways are we being changed? We're becoming who we were created to be, glorious, glory to glory, and we're becoming less like the world, meaning we're becoming more and more like people who really live like it's true. Third and last, we become more like Jesus. We become more like Jesus. I think this is embedded. I'm not going to belabor this point because I think this is embedded in the other points that we're making. But remember that that original definition is that we're being shaped into the image of Jesus. That original scripture in 2 Corinthians 3 says that we're being transformed with ever-increasing glory into the likeness or the image of his son. And so there's this idea that we're becoming more like Jesus. There's a scripture in Romans 8. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, what is the next words? To be conformed, to to be changed. See that? For those God foreknew, for those God who he thought of in eternity past, he predestined them. This was his plan for them to be conformed to the image of his son. This was God's plan, that we would be changed to become more like Jesus. That he, Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. There is a calling that we get to experience life as humans the way that Jesus, the perfect human, because he was God, he was the perfect human. The perfect human Jesus experienced an intimacy with God, a power, a joy, a wisdom, a purpose, a peace. Can you imagine That's the image that we're being brought to. Look at the scripture again. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, that he might live in such a way that the rest of us are brothers and sisters on that journey with Jesus. Verse 30, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Those he predestined, those he thought about in advance, he then went and wooed their hearts. And then after he wooed their hearts and they responded, he forgave them. That's justified. And then once he forgave them, friends, he's going to change them from glory into ever-increasing glory. That's the journey that we're on. We're becoming more like Jesus. And that's not about becoming a God or God-like or our own little God. It's, not a, it's about becoming the quintessential human who's experiencing life at its fullest. Creatures who reflect in our lives the nature of the creator and the fruit of that creator's work within us. This is life at its fullest. Beauty, love, wisdom, joy, power. So following Jesus is not just about obedience to some of his teachings. It is about being in his influence so that we would become more like him. So when you pray, when you read the scriptures, you don't go, wow, I should probably love someone more. You say, Holy Spirit of Jesus, make 
me like you, that's my longing. The potter shapes the clay. Band, why don't you guys come out and we're gonna lead into worship, but let me just say this as I close. The potter shapes the clay as it seems best to him. You see that in that original verse we said, as it seems best to him. Even with all the defects in the clay, that beginning verse that just 32 minutes ago that I told you about in Jeremiah chapter 18, he went and he saw, and there was a defect in the clay, and the pot didn't come out to what the potter wanted it to be, so he started again and reshaped it as best as he wanted to according to his longing and his desires. Friends, the potter doesn't, there's no weakness in the way the potter does his craft, but sometimes there's defects in the clay. And the potter reshapes it as he sees best. And so as the clay, we put ourselves in the place where he can make us into what he longs to make us. And when the defect messes up, we stay on the wheel and he shapes us again. This series, for the next few weeks, is going to be about how we stay on the wheel. What does it look like to stay on the wheel so that the potter can move us and shape us? We're going to do some spiritual experiences and practices together. We're going to experience Lent together as a church. We're going to talk about fasting and silence and prayer and worship and the Word. And we're going to be people who together say, okay, you are our Father. You are the potter. We are the clay, the work of your hands.